It's time for Tuesday Terror, here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG-13, suggesting that children under the age of 13 should listen accompanied with an adult. Hello, strange world. Welcome to the Aldergate Papers. My name is Adrian Ward, and these singed and crumpled pages are my diary, a record of the final days of my former life. I remember almost nothing of the story they contain. All I know is that it ends with me very nearly being killed and that it may not be entirely unrelated to some of the strange things that seem to be happening lately. If there's any truth in the odd fragments of memory that I just can't seem to shake, well, there are things you deserve to know. Things that may help you to understand what's going on, and what's coming. We left our hero muttering vaguely to himself as he tried to dispel the mental fog left behind by an unusual and unpleasant fit of dreaming. No time for nightmares, not that sort at any rate. And what better way to dismiss the horrors of the mind and to grapple with that other sort of horror, the sort that leave an old pal's severed limbs lying about Aldergate University. This is Day Four, Part Two, The Facts in the Case of S. Braden. It is the fourth day of the return to Aldergate. The time and place of writing is around five o'clock in the morning, on a padded bench in the Parata Dynamic Gallery. We begin. What's to blame for the dream? Ah, yes. The dream is but the symptom. It's the cause that should concern you. What's got you dreaming suddenly? And what does it all mean? Ugh. Tread cautiously, self. Cautiously, or not at all. How can you hope to armchair alienist yourself out of unprecedented nightmares when you can barely cope with the psychopathology of your everyday life? Having turned your back on everything you're ever good at, you've become an enthusiastic amateur at everything else. One moment you're a detective, the next an interpreter of dreams. Although, really, you oughtn't to need much of a Rosetta Stone for this one. It'd be one thing if your slumber had been haunted by trains rushing in and out of tunnels, though you are well on your way there, incidentally. But it doesn't take even a sixth-rate Sigmund to spy the substance of this somnolent silliness. You dreamt to hunt for clues because you're hunting for clues. You dreamt of troublesome boxes because your new home is full of the things. And... After a morning of recollection and an afternoon of murder talk, of course you dreamed of death. Ah, 
Death by fire, death by water. You've come close enough to both, and on balance you favor neither, please, if it's all the same. Then there's Alistair, of course. And Sir Reggie, presumably. And what about Mum, butting into dreams suddenly? What would Freud say to that? <sighs> Not too much, probably. Perhaps if she'd been smoking a cigar or something. But, well, you dreamt that she was dying. Death by fire, death by water, drowning and burning. <sighs> the Shirshov was a burnt-out shell when they found it floating south of Mangareva. Symbolism need not apply. Anyhow, perhaps it's all just garble, the unstructured output of a complex system venting corrupted data. After all, you are in a somewhat agitated state at the moment. Vulnerable, you know. Emotional. <laughs> huh. Emotional. Not THE Adrian Ward, surely. The clockwork butcher of the technology sector? Yes, yes. Perhaps you have got a bit of humanity sloshing about within. But don't tell anyone. <laughs> huh. Could it be just that simple? Coming back here after all this time, pulling skeletons out of closets willy-nilly, an old pal murdered, investigation in progress. Twist. You've every right to be upset. Yes. Every right in the world. But you aren't really, are you? That is to say, yes, it's all very upsetting, but you're hardly a quivering wreck. Not ever Sammy, at any rate. You're more unsettled, disturbed, askew, amiss. Can a person be amiss? You're not a miss, you're a mess. <laughs> Ugh. You are a mess. Humans are funny creatures. When the shops open, you're usually just the chap for a crisis. Head cool and level, hand steady, an upper lip you could bend horseshoes round. Catch you semi-conscious, however, and you're worse than helpless. What are you wearing? What trousers are these? Is this Angora? Is this the Fitch Fiedler? Did you bring the Fitch Fiedler with you from Manhattan? Ah, you and your bloody mysteries. Well, here you are, in grey Angora trousers and that woolly jumper that you think makes you look like Hemingway, and Belle says makes you look like a derelict. She wins this round. Well, fine. If you're going to be awake, be awake. You may as well do something useful while you're still able. You're an administrator. Administrate something. <sighs> Ten grillion unread emails. Can't face them. But you ought to at least muck out your official Aldergate account. Can't be too bad, it's only... 
Ah, you stand corrected. It can be too bad, and it is too bad. Because apparently Baz has accorded you not a vice-chancellorly email account, but the vice-chancellorly email account. Another treasure trove you've inherited from Sir Reggie, and shockingly true to form. These go back to 1970, and he's never even opened a single one. Well, at least he's set the bar pretty low for you. Tom used to whinge if you went half an hour without writing them back, and then they'd passive-aggressively request read receipts for the rest of the day. Hmm. But it does look as if one or two bright sparks have realized there's a new sheriff in town. Until three days or so ago, everything's just a formal CC, but then... Yes, yes, welcome, welcome, welcome. Mostly college heads, and... Hello. Oh, right, old Kaluk Lovstrom. That gave you a start. Thought you were back on Voxen for a moment. That's right, he's the garden and purse head, on top of everything else. Nice fellow, be good to have him about the place. Hmm, good-ish. Maybe not. You've never been entirely comfortable with Lovstrom. He operates a bit too freely in that narrow but significant twilight world that isn't quite bastardom and isn't quite not bastardom. You can't ever be quite sure what or whom he knows, except that it's probably just about everything and just about everyone. He's probably spent his entire adult life one ash-blonde hair's breadth away from having his tongue cut out and his eyes sewn shut. Anyhow, he says hello. <laughs> They're all so tactfully awkward about it. You'd forgot, you're not actually Vice-Chancellor yet. Not entirely. Sort of. <laughs> Baz has told you twice. You've been appointed, but not invested. You're VC-elect at the moment. You've not yet come into your kingdom, and you can't technically do much vice-chancelloring unless the university declares a state of war. Well, never mind. Your inauguration's day after next. You can hold on till then. Hmm. Although, even then, there's still another hoop. You've got to go round all the colleges for a meet-and-greet. Meet-and-eat. Something like that. Baz says it's just a formality, which means it'll probably be a tribulation. Anyhow, for the moment at least, you're in limbo. Just your luck. Probably the one time in your life you'll have the time and inclination to focus on university business, and you're not allowed. All right, then. If you can't do your job, you've got to give the old brain something else to chew on. Hmm... And there's really only one qualified candidate, isn't there? You've been forbearing like a saint, but the time has come to dig into the Sammy mystery in earnest. The real Sammy mystery, that is. The murder, yes, but not just the murder. <laughs> not by a long shot. 
Yes. It is now rendered necessary that you lay out the facts, as far as you know and comprehend them yourself, and perhaps a bit farther. Where to begin? Ah, yes, where, indeed, followed by when, how, why, and by whom. And after that, you can get into the real questions. So, to start off, ahem, question, where? If there's one thing that's certain, it's that Sammy was not killed in Last Quad, or even in Gambrel, probably. Her legs were found in an open duffel bag, hardly any blood on them. Difficult job lopping legs off at mid-thigh without spillage. A dozen Shylocks couldn't have managed it. Where, then? Reports are sketchy regarding Sammy's movements on the day in question. Standish said that she hadn't been seen in her office in Triple E for weeks before the grisly discovery, so she might not have been killed anywhere near there although, really, all of Aldergate is pretty close to Gambrel. Mm, no help there. All right, then. Let's leave geography for a moment and give history a go. Question. When? Four days ago now, give or take. Beastly to think that you might have technically arrived here the day after she died. Not that it would be particularly jolly regardless, but still. You weren't looking forward to a reunion, and nothing like that. Not exactly. Still, missing her by a day after fifteen years. <sighs> per Standish, her legs were found at around 2 a.m., and at that point they'd been separated from a living body for roughly two hours. If there's an inheritance that depends on the precise date, there may be some unpleasantness. Hmm. You know, that is a point. A dull one, but possibly consequential. Who inherits the Braden estate? It's obscene to think of somebody killing Sammy for money. So many better and more interesting reasons to kill her. But, between books and speaking fees and her obnoxious habit of stalking your equity portfolio like a leopard, she must have had a fair amount of the stuff. By conventional standards, at least. So, qui bono? She'd family back in Detroit, or used to have. Mm, family of blood, however, not family of choice. She'd not have wanted them to see a penny, although if she died intestate, that may not matter. If they can't find her torso, fat chance they'll find her will. What if the Braden clan do come sniffing round? Time and tragedy, and a few million of the right staff, have a marvelous way of healing the gapingest breaches. Maybe that's why Baz was so quick off the mark with the university's official memorial. Couldn't have waited forty-eight hours so you could be there, too. Yes... You're grateful for that. Still, there will have to be a funeral eventually, though they've not given up hope of finding the rest of her. At that point, if a Ma and or Pa Braden turns up, well, it's not your fight. 
Let them mourn if they want to mourn, and if they want to meddle, oh, you will learn them how to meddle. Baz says she'll be cremated and deposited in the McNaughton Columbarium, and her plaque will read Samantha Braden. Yes. Moving on. Question. How? <sighs> Unclear. There's still no verdict on exactly what separated Sammy from her legs, and as for how she was actually killed, well, not much to speculate on. As Standish said, the dismemberment would have done the job, but that's hardly conclusive. Anyhow, the medical examiner can't be entirely certain that the dismemberment didn't occur directly after death rather than before. Oof. Question. Why? <sighs> now we enter the deepest of deep waters. Of course, it's hard not to think back a decade or so to when Sammy was a front-page fugitive, always two steps ahead of the assassins and never more than a few yards from a press photographer. But all that got resolved ages ago. At least you thought so. The fatwa is history. The regimes that got annoyed over Reich 4.0 have since either been toppled, or else hired Sammy as a consultant. Rumor has it. She's bound to have made some other enemies since then. That's just her nature. But they never killed her before, so why should they start now? You're not aware of her having done anything more than usually outrageous over the past few months, but you've hardly been on the lookout. Best ask the Google. <sighs> Still no reporting on the murder. Baz really is a marvel, and here you were giving Sir Reggie all the credit for Aldergate's watertight code of silence. As for Sammy, her latest venture, per press release, <sighs> Totem, Open Alpha. Spelt T-O-T-M, naturally. Hmm. And what do you suppose an Onero Aggregator is when it's at home? Totem. Totem. Share your dreams. Some sort of social media platform? Looks like. Huh. Well, all right. Interesting, or at least odd, but not really informative. They don't murder Socknet devs, do they? Probably ought to, but they don't. Hmm. To be looked into further. All right, then. That brings you to... Question. Who done it? Ah. Well... Answer that, and you can take the rest of the day off. It'd be easier if you had at least a few suspects to get you started. Too bad you can't just flip to the back of the book where everybody's gathered in the drawing room and sneak a peek at who gets fingered. <laughs> Ooh, a uh, missus. Ugh. Anyhow, there it is, self old boy. Those are the questions. And... Those are the answers, subject to availability.
Now, forget all that. The real dirt, as always, lies beneath. Start digging. Ahem. Question. Why did Sammy really come back to Aldergate? Answer. Unknown, but not perhaps unknowable. Baz babbled some nonsense about Sammy giving back to the university. Miss Braden seems to have held herself aloof from her old comrade, but Baz heard through the grapevine that she was building up a little study cult of her own, sharing her hard-earned wisdom with the young minds of Aldergate. <laughs> a likely story. When an infamous vampire turns up at the world's finest blood bank, it isn't to make a donation. Question. All right, then. She was after something. Resources. Something she couldn't get elsewhere. You know that story. Other considerations aside, access to Midwinter Hill and the laboratory schools was a big part of why you agreed to come back. Perhaps Sammy had a similar motive. Answer. No. Well, not directly, at least. Sammy was only ever a reluctant scientist. Where the great dog sled of technology is concerned, she'd rather stand on the back shouting mush than strap on a harness. Ooh, her missus. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Moving along. No, Sammy wasn't here to do research herself. But she did have office space in Triple E, Aldergate's most active research facility outside of Midwinter Hill. She didn't get in there without a fight, and as much as Sammy loved a good scrap, she wouldn't have taken the trouble to shove in at Triple E without a reason. So, what's at Triple E for someone who isn't a scientist? Hmm, other someones who are scientists. Yes, yes, a nebulous form emerges from the void. The question is not what brought the illustrious Samantha Braden back to her old stomping grounds, but whom? Question. All right, then. Whom? Answer. Ugh, an excellent question. Humans are versatile creatures, and there are many reasons somebody might want one. Ought you to chercher la femme, perchance? Hmm. Not impossible, but not likely. Nil nisi burnum and all that, but Sammy was never the sentimental sort. She may have had a lover here, or several, but that's no reason to stake out office space, especially in a building where the walls are made of glass. Now, Sammy's interest in the Aldergate student body was primarily from the neck up. Whomever she may have come here for was worth more to her, fully clothed and hard at work. Question. At work on what, do you suppose? Even if Sammy was actually dipping her toes in the shark tank of social media, she didn't need bench research for that. What was the real pet project that brought her back to the groves of academe? Answer. To be determined. Yes, that must be the first thrust of your investigation. 
Let Standish and the Aldershire CID canvas witnesses and dust for fingerprints and so on, and good luck to them. They don't know Sammy the way you do, and they don't know Aldergate the way you do either. Nobody who's not a student could, not if they lived and worked here their whole lives. Only an Aldergation could understand that... that if one leaves, one does not return lightly. <sighs> Why? Why come back? There are a dozen top-tier universities that would have jumped at the chance to host Samantha Braden with none of the drama and trauma you're going through now. She picked Aldergate, which means it had to be Aldergate. And when she got here, she headed not for the Midwinter Hill Complex, not for the Prize Plum, but for Gambrel. Yes, that settles the question. She was here for somebody, and moreover, somebody in particular. Somebody very, very good at something very, very special, who nevertheless felt no need to join in the glittering exodus to Bonehenge. Whoever they are, you've got to find them. Whether or not they can help to solve the murder, they will help you solve the mystery. It was no small thing that brought Sammy back to Aldergate. Was it the same old thing, do you suppose? Hmm. Yes. Yes, you do suppose. But you've got to know for sure. And if there are pieces left to be picked up, well, if she was carrying on your work, the least you can do is to return the favor. <sighs> It'll be a ticklish operation. You can't just go barging in and asking questions. Whomever you're after, they'll be spooked by the murder, even if they're not guilty of it, and any team of Sam Braden's will have been taught to keep its mouth shut. Still, whomever it is she tapped, she picked them out of everyone on the planet for her little scheme. Learn who they are, and you can figure out why she wanted them. Well then, time for some good old-fashioned shoe-leather police work, eh? Hmm, shoe-leather. <laughs> Alas, your poor John Mintons. They'll have earned a decent burial before the day's done. Standish said he'd pass you the dossiers of Sammy's known acquaintances. You'll be able to talk to them in a way the CID never could. As her old friend. And, of course, as their new overlord. Yes, as soon as the sun's up, you... Hello. Well, what do you think of that? The sun may not have risen yet, self old boy, but you certainly have. Whilst you fretted over Sammy's murder mystery's murky history, Parata has taken you for a ride. The window she yelled at you for touching was about four stories up, looking north over the high street. Now you're right up in the penthouse, with nothing above you but glass and sky. The Neo-Goya has been replaced by all of Aldergate, 
and you've turned about to face the west. The clouds have rolled away. Centad lies below you, and Sylvan College beyond, its little fairy tale cupolas and delicate helical walkways pale in the moonlight. There's the mingle, where the silver ribbons of the Order and the Fay unite. University Place is a great frozen pond, flat and white and still, the Tower of Empire jutting from it like an icebound lighthouse. Whatever was happening on the pent earlier is still happening now. Flickery lights, firelight surely. Whatever it is they're up to, they've lasted the whole night through. And there, whilst your back was turned, a patch of grey has crept up on the eastern horizon. You'd best keep an eye on it, what? Ah, from grey to pearl to red as blood, and dawn has arrived. Sailor, take warning. Sylvan's battlements are blushing prettily now. The Order and the Fay run crimson. There may be shipwrecks by nightfall, but oh, what a beautiful morning. Ha! She's a thorny one, this parata. <sighs> you had no intention of touching the window this time. Really, you didn't. Can't a chap wander about a bit to unkink his back? Is it a crime to enjoy the view? And if you happen to yawn and stretch just a bit incautiously, that's hardly... <laughs> you were teasing her and she called you out on it. Ah-ah, uh -uh, Parata chided, in a voice like dirty silk. You can look all you like, but do not touch. Sweet mercy. <sighs> oh, the technology! Baz bragged that the flying carpet system that services the playhouse beneath your feet is bristling with sensors, but that's nothing to what Parata must have on board. A piece of dynamic architecture has got to be constantly aware of everything going on inside her. It. Yes, can't risk squishing the punters. And since all those data are being collected anyway, why not put them to use making sure everybody behaves? As for the voice, that's brilliance unto itself. Shrill electronic beeping does nobody any good. A stern sort of robocop instructing you to please step away would be worse still. Might even prod you into perversity. You're not about to be bossed around by some billion-dollar feat of engineering genius, after all. But this unseen siren, this vixen of the ether... <laughs> Harmless fun, and everybody gets a laugh. And besides that, it's a lesson learned. Once is accident, twice is experiment. But a chap who needs to be told a third time... Well... Of course, right now there's nobody to judge you. You're the only biological being in the building. 
You could inflict your filthy caresses on every wall, window, and art treasure in the place. But you won't, will you? And not just because, well, why would you? Silly as it seems, the very idea appalls. You, you wouldn't want Parata to think less of you. All right, all right, enough. This is going strange and worrisome places. You really ought. Ah. The sentence breaks off here with a bit of a jag. We resume a few lines down. <clears throat> you nearly jumped out of your skin. You'd forgot you even own a cell phone. Evidently, the trick to getting reception in Aldergate is to get high enough above it. So, Baz wants another breakfast date at the Keys, nine o'clock sharp. That's not all she wants, obviously. All the subtle tact of a public stoning. She's probably just having a mother hen moment, but wants to be sure you're prepared to shoulder the responsibilities that will come crashing down upon you as soon as you're properly inaugurated. That's a point, actually. The ceremony's day after tomorrow. You ought to start practicing up your lines. It's a terribly complicated affair, old as the hills and queer as folk. I've knew it isn't the half of it. Don't put off your prep until the last minute, or you'll make a hash of it, and either disqualify yourself, or else call up something you cannot put down. Oof. Then again, Baz may just want to pump you for information about the investigation. She's a Jill of all trades and mistress of many, but even the secretary and steward doesn't feature in the chain of command of the Aldergate University Constabulary. Being shut out of the latest news about Sammy's case must drive her mad. She probably suspects that the bugger-all information to which you're privy is vastly superior to the sort she's been able to gouge out of Standish herself. Oh, or perhaps she's wrangled your Midwinter Hill credentials. Or perhaps she's just using you as an excuse for another self-inflicted five-keys fry-up. Are you an enabler, self? Well, if that's the worst thing you do today... <sighs> Nearly seven o'clock. You've survived another night at Altergate. Better get moving. The keys is only a stone's throw away, but you've got to trot back to the manse first. You look more like a prisoner of war than a distinguished officer of the university, and you're wearing more dried blood than is strictly fashionable. Hmm. Pop a few naproxen in the old peppermint tin, too. Your hand is getting throbby again. Ah, well. TTFN. Well, then... Wheels within wheels, and mysteries within mysteries. The notorious Samantha Braden was a matryoshka doll of enigmas. Now somebody split her open, and left a pile of questions inside of questions inside of questions. Of course, the most important questions tend to be the ones we don't know enough to ask, or arrogantly assume that we don't need to. Will our hero stumble onto the truth, or into a trap? <laughs> we shall just have to see, shan't we? 
Join me every second Sunday at thealdergatepapers.com. Find The Aldergate Papers on Apple Podcasts as well, and spread the word, won't you? This may be my story, but I fear that it's likely to become everybody's problem. Until next time, I am and shall remain your humble servant, Adrian Ward. You're listening to Tuesday Terrors on the Mutual Audio Network. Tomorrow is our weekly anthology for science fiction and fantasy as Lothar Tuppen brings you Wednesday Wonders. Subscribe to the full Mutual Audio Network feed for every day of amazing audio or find the Wednesday Wonders feed in your favorite podcast player. And thank you for listening, everybody. This is the Mutual Audio Network. Listening and imagining together.